Mark 1, verses 21 through 28, as we continue in Mark's gospel, looking at Jesus and looking at Jesus as he is revealed to be the king. So would you stand as I read verses 21 through 28 and hear the word of the Lord. And they went to Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the celebration and the joy, the expectancy that is present now with your spirit. We thank you for your word and the bounty and the treasure that you have opened up to us in it. And we pray that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts that are soft to your spirit's touch. That, Lord, you would rescue us from callousness, that you would rescue us from distraction, that you would rescue us from hard-heartedness, that you might do your work in our lives by the power of your spirit as your word goes forth. So, Father, I now pray that whatever proceeds from this mouth that is not of you would fall to the floor and remain unheard. For the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Lord Jesus, you said heaven and earth may pass away, but your word will never pass away. The psalmist tells us that your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. So God, would you speak now to us? God of glory, Lord of life, speak. Father, speak. Your children are listening. Have mercy in the name of Christ. Amen. You may be seated. We all, at some point in our lives, hate authority. And uh, Baptists are probably the best at it uh, among, it's easy, uh, among Christians. Part of that is how we set up churches, right? We have, there are, we are not bound to any other organization. We freely and willingly cooperate. This isn't a sermon about Baptist ecclesiology as riveting as I know that sounds to you, uh, that, but that because of our government, we're, we're sort of seeing there's an independence to our congregations. And because of our, the way that we make decisions as a local church, there is uh, that you, you cast a vote in a business meeting. And so there's a, this independence that, that rises up that doesn't really appreciate authority sometimes. Um, I remember once, this was years ago. I can say that now. I've been here seven years. So years ago, I had a, a man in our church who told me, uh, that they, 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 a committee brought me in and a br- committee could take me out. And I said, 
God brought me in and God will take me out. Uh, and, and God uses churches and he uses congregations and he uses committees and all sorts of things as well. Uh, but, but he didn't appreciate some of the things that we were, we were trying to do. And that happens in churches. I'm not giving him a hard time. It showed up this morning, in fact, at the breakfast table. And I was going to tell Sarah Beth I was going to tell this story, but then I didn't. So um, I'm going to put a sticky note over her so she can't see me. Uh, and no, but it's my, our son, Henry, our middle son, Henry, uh, he, who is just he's a precocious, has this bundle of personality that continues to overflow. Uh, but he was he was not eating his breakfast. And so uh, and he was anyways, he was he wasn't listening. And so I was trying to coach him up. Right. He's sitting right here and I'm trying to coach him up about listening. And he looks at me, and he says, Daddy, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. <laughs> you can imagine how that lands, you know. <laughs> but then at the same time, I'm like, I think I said similar things to my dad, who's also here. Uh, and I have I have those memories here, too. And he was. Uh, but we, we, we struggle to submit to authority. And part of that's a, a good impulse, right? We don't want to submit to ungodly authority who's telling us to do things that we ought not do. Or telling us to believe things that we know to be untrue. That the conscience ought to be free before God. That's a good biblical mandate that we have. But sometimes we can muddy the water and believe that that just because we can deny some authority, that we can deny all authority. Well, when Jesus comes into Capernaum, and he comes to Capernaum, which this is his sort of home base in the Gospels. Before he gets to Jerusalem, most of the Gospels are almost 50-50, right? Where, where Jesus' ministry, and then he enters into Jerusalem, and you have a very focused gaze about what happens at the final week of Jesus's life. But most of Jesus's earthly ministry, he's bumping around Galilee. And Capernaum is a city that is a on the side of the Sea of Galilee. So if you were looking at a map, it would to from your vantage point, it would be sort of north northwestern. Right. So from you, it would be up here. If this is the top of the Sea of Galilee, it would be over here. Uh, and <clears throat> so he comes to Capernaum and he enters into the Sabbath and enters into the synagogue on the Sabbath. And he immediately begins to teach. He gets to business. Jesus has a mandate, a calling from his father to fulfill in this world. And he enters into the synagogue and he begins to teach. Jesus exercises his kingly authority by teaching. In Mark's gospel and then throughout the New Testament, many times the apostles and ministers and pastors and others are described as proclaiming or preaching. But in Mark's gospel, this word teaching is almost reserved only for Jesus. There's a couple of stray uses, usages, but it's almost always Jesus that, that part of his messianic work as this king who is God man, part of his work is to teach. Part of his work of authority of king of the king who's saying, repent and believe. Verse 15, right? We just went through here a couple weeks ago. Verse 15, how do you respond to the king and his kingdom? You repent and believe. You believe what? You believe what Jesus is teaching. So to, to teach, to teach means that we have that that we must believe what Jesus is offering us, that what Jesus communicates to us. 
that we are to believe it, that we are to submit ourselves to it. We're to believe it and to obey it. And that is how Jesus' authority manifests in our lives. Jesus' authority as king shows up in our lives by what we do, or better said, it shows up in our lives when we believe and obey his authoritative word. Jesus' authority, I'm saying it again, so this is like if there were a quiz, you might want to remember this. Jesus' authority shows up in our lives when we believe his authoritative word and we obey his authoritative word. And so you can turn that phrase around and say, what you do with Jesus' authoritative word indicates your trust or mistrust or unbelief in him. If you refuse to listen to his authoritative word, if you don't believe what Jesus says, you don't believe what Jesus says, you don't obey what Jesus you don't obey what he says, then you don't believe in Jesus as king. Let me kind of let me kind of hopefully crack that open a little bit. If Jesus's authority in our life, lives manifests in his authoritative word and how we respond to that word. So where Jesus says, repent and believe, you say, yes, King Jesus. If Jesus says, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them, you say, yes, Jesus. If Jesus says, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself, you say, yes, Jesus. Because what you do with Jesus's word indicates what you do with Jesus himself. Because Jesus is the very word of God. John chapter one, the word in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He is the word of God. And as as Jesus is comes on the scene and as he teaches and as he preaches, he is the disclosure. He is the opening of the very heart of God himself. God, no one has ever seen the Father. The only begotten Son makes Him known. John chapter 1, verse 18. If you want to know God, you look to Jesus. If you want to listen to Jesus, you must listen to His Word. But too often, in order to make a Jesus after our own image and make a Jesus that is palatable and, and, and someone that we want to be around in our present day culture, we want to separate those two. We want to separate the, the scriptures and what God has spoken from this idea of Jesus over here. We like Jesus as meek and mild and loving and accepting and all these sort of popular things, tolerant. But in order to fashion a Jesus that is all those things and only those things, what we have to do is we have to discard lots of this. And put it to the side and say, surely this is who Jesus would be like, someone that is like us. And that is an indictment on a rebellious culture. That's an indictment upon a rebellious heart that refuses to bend the knee to the authority of Jesus. See, one of the reasons that Baptist churches are structured the way that Baptist churches are is that we, every, every Christian ought to, I'm not disparaging others, but that we believe manifestly that Jesus is the head of the church. And if Jesus is the head of the church and his spirit is ruling in you. Then you are fit and capable to make choices regarding the future and the direction of the mission of this church. 
Jesus is king. Jesus, the king, teaches and he extends his dominion. He extends the the manifestation of his authority by means of his word, by the preaching of his word, by the reading of his word, by the believing of his word, by the obeying his word. Right. That's that's the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I taught you. Everything I gave to you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. What you do with the authoritative word of God revealed in Scripture indicates your willingness or unwillingness to follow the King Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? I feel like I'm hammering that. I just want it to be clear. And it's a good test. I'm not saying that anyone in this room, myself included, that we can look at all of the commands of Jesus and say, got those done. But that there should be a a heart at the center of it. That if I love Jesus, then I want to follow him and I want to submit my life to him. I want to surrender. And all of the places that are disjointed from his revealed will and his word, those are last strongholds of unbelief in my heart. Sin shows up in my life and it shows up in your life because of unbelief. You don't believe what God says. You don't believe that about Jesus. Even if it's just for that blip of time. You chase your sin because you don't believe in that moment. So what you do with this word indicates what you do with Jesus. And if if that indicates what you do with Jesus, that that gives you a, a decent picture of whether you can expect an everlasting home with Christ. Why would why would you want to be with Jesus If you don't want to be with Jesus now, why would you want to be with Jesus for eternity? If you don't want to be with Jesus now, why would you want to obey the will and the word of Christ forever? If you don't want to obey the will and the word of Christ today. That legitimately, I want to be, I almost want to say that's not rhetorical, right? Like what is a good reason? Because we begin to fashion heaven as something other than living in the presence of the triune God. It gives us all of these other benefits. But dear ones, if you cannot tolerate Jesus and his authority in this life, you will not tolerate heaven very well. Because all the places of rebellion will be wiped away. So Jesus's authority shows up as he teaches. And they were astonished because he teaches with authority, unlike the scribes. The scribes were legal scholars who knew the Old Testament law really, really well. And they would come in and almost from like rote memory sort of recite a lesson. And there was no pathos. There was no passion. There was no there was no believing in them. They just did what they had to do, unpacking this word of God. But when Jesus came into the synagogue and when Jesus came into onto the scene, there was something patently different about Jesus' teaching and his preaching. It was with authority that when God's word speaks, the king is speaking. When you open up the Bible in the morning, do you think the king is speaking? When you go to God in prayer, do you say, I'm speaking to the king? When you come to worship and you're singing praises and you're praying and we're sitting under the word like right now. Are you saying, I'm doing this in the audience of the king? 
See, the preamble to the Great Commission, the, the verse before that, is what? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. The very Great Commission, the missionary work of Jesus' people is rooted in the authoritative position of Christ as King. But Christ, when He comes into the synagogue and He begins to teach with authority, and whenever, whenever you trumpet the authority of Jesus over rebellious people, no matter what, you're going to encounter demonic opposition. We don't have time for the church stories. That this, I still, I'm still in circles where I get described as the young preacher, which blows my mind. My, my back hurts, my hip hurts, my knee hurts. I've been doing this for 10 years, 11 years. How long am I going to be the young guy? I won't feel young. But, but when Jesus comes in, in the synagogue, this is almost like a man with an unclean spirit were to pop up in church. He says, what do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Are you here to destroy us? See, so the, the king who has the authoritative word, as Matthew Henry, the, the Puritan commentator on this text said, that he comes both to cure souls and to conquer his enemies. And he does both. By means of his word. This is why we preach every Sunday. Usually it's me. This is why the proclamation of the word of God week in and week out is crucial to your life. Because it's curative for your soul. And it's one of the means by which God conquers our sin. And he conquers the adversary through the word of our testimony. The word of his power. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. Remember that from Psalm 29. So God comes in and there's this man who has been gripped by an unclean spirit. And that spirit begins to spout off at Jesus. He knows who Jesus is. And without fail, again, without fail, when you assert the authority of Jesus over the rebellious person, there will be either breaking and repentance and submission, or there will be the, the puffing up, the stiffening of the back and saying, I will not bow. And so the question is, as God's word goes forth this moment, which is you? Are you the one who hears of the authority of Jesus and says, I have not been living under his authority. I've not been living as though he is king and his word is rule. Would you yield to him? Yes, we could use the language. Would you invite him into your heart? Would you pray a prayer? But Jesus is king and he demands your allegiance. This is a summons to trust in Christ. And to not trust in Christ is to your peril today and for eternity. But some who hear this, some who hear this are either right now looking for a distraction in your mind. 
You're looking for something else to think about so that you can avoid what I'm saying. Or your back is stiffening up a little bit. You're starting to peacock a little bit more and saying, I don't, I don't need, I don't need authority. I don't need this Jesus who tells me I'm a sinner. I don't need this Jesus who died for me. I need someone to, to come alongside me and to do what I want. To help me along my job and my family and my way. And too often, dear ones, we treat Jesus that way. As, as some sort of pocket idol that we can pull out when we need help on the way that we're going. That is not the way of Christ. The way of Christ is absolute surrender. Wherever he leads, I shall go. But he conquers. He conquers sin. He conquers Satan. He conquers death. All of these effects of sin and the fall in this world. And that's what he will do in your life. Notice, the man doesn't doesn't kick out the unclean spirit because he was unable to do so. He didn't kick him out before coming to Jesus, but he came to Jesus an absolute wreck, even propelled there by this unclean spirit. You can come to Jesus with your garbage. You can come to Jesus with your brokenness, your shame, your guilt, wherever you've been and whatever you've done. If you but say... Jesus, help me. Jesus, change my life. I want to I I trust you. I want to want you. I want to follow you. He will cure sin-sick souls. He will come into your life with a peace and a blessing, knowing that He takes your sin away and He gives His grace and righteousness in that place. Would you trust him? He can conquer. He can conquer the addictions that you're harboring. He can conquer the strongholds of Satan in your life where you cannot get past the bitterness and the resentment from what this person did to you. He can conquer those things, dear one. And he can cure, he can heal, he can work in your life. I'm not saying it's going to be a blip, some flip the switch and all is well. He will come in with his authoritative word and he will press out the sin. He'll press out the shame and he will kick out the strong man of Satan. And he will sit and he will rule in your life. But would you trust? How will you respond to the authoritative word of Jesus? Repent, believe. Will you trust him and know healing and peace and victory in Christ? Or will you continue to walk in pride? And the Proverbs say something to the effect that if you continue to walk in pride, that one day you'll be broken beyond repair. You continue to stiffen your back refusing to bend the knee to Jesus, one day in judgment, you will be shattered and you will not be recoverable. But today is the day of salvation. 
Today is the day when the doors are open. Today is the day to follow Jesus. For some, that's a first step of saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to trust you. I want the life that you offer. I want the, the benefits of your death and resurrection. For some others of you, this is a call, a, a reminder that to claim the name of Jesus means to obey Jesus. Not as to earn something, but because you've been given everything. For the Christian to live a life of obedience is not to live a life trying to earn something from God. Living a life of obedience is living out the life that we've already been given in Jesus. So Christian, where you continue to pursue pursue your own dreams and your own purposes, you're walking in unbelief and that will lead you to lesser joy, lesser peace. Obedience is the way of life to live out the life that we've been given. So responding is for all of us. How will you respond to King Jesus and his authoritative word? Will you trust, obey, or will you rebel and be broken? How will you respond? Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your mercy that you have given to us in Jesus. We thank you that you are the king who cures You are the king who conquers. Father, I pray that it would be so abundantly clear to our hearts and minds that what we, how we respond to your word is how we respond to you. If we refuse your word and we refuse to obey and refuse the authority of your word, then we refuse you. So Lord Jesus, would you give us hearts that are soft For some that they might believe that your spirit would rest upon them and draw them to move in power upon them, Lord, that they would confess faith in Jesus to seek obedience with you, possibly even to be baptized if they've never trusted you before. For those who are your children in the sense that they have trusted you, they have identified with you, confessed the faith publicly. They've walked through the waters of baptism. They've demonstrated these things with church membership. And yet, God, there are areas of their life that are not yielded to you and your authority. Would you, with the tenderness of a shepherd, come into our hearts right now, our minds, and point those areas out? And would you give us grace to let them go to you, to yield the floor, to submit the throne, for you are king. So Lord, would you give us grace? Would you be glorified? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.